What's up, Puffin Party people? It's your boy, TV's Kevin Lanigan, with a special surprise treat just for you. Uh, as I'm sure you've heard advertised on the show, I, TV's Kevin Lanigan, have another podcast called Can We Get Emma Stone to Listen to This? Um, that I think if you enjoy the Puff Pub Pod, you would absolutely enjoy. And as a special bonus, I recently had on my show two times Mr. Movies, who you've heard. Uh, several times on the show, you've heard him in the Earth Day special, you heard him in the Boyhood sketch, and I think you will really, really enjoy this other show, and since one of your favorite characters made his way on over there, well, here is one of the parts of our two-part Mr. Movies episode. Enjoy. Hello, I'm John Oliver. You can now support this show on Patreon.com. Head on over to Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. And for as little as $1 a month, you can set up a monthly donation that will support this show in ways you can't even understand. No, Trevor, don't buy those donuts. That money is for TV's Kevin Lanigan. That's Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. I'll see you there. From Easy A to Zombieland Z, this is Can We Get Emma Stone to Listen to This, the podcast that aims to answer exactly that. I'm your host, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and no, it's not a sex thing. It's a challenge thing. Did the Empire State Building get built by John Empire with his two hands so that it might be violated at his discretion? No. It was built because they could. Now, of course, as you might be expecting, no uh, Emma Stone update this week. Again, she has eluded my grasp, but I am not giving up. I will continue to hold out hope over here. And Emma, of course, phone lines are now open. Being a slave to podcast trends as I am, uh, I'm going to inform you of what I'm drinking. It's a delicious uh, Arizona Kiwi Strawberry Vitamin C Fortified Beverage. I am drinking a foot-tall can of Arizona, as I always am. And I gotta tell y'all, this, like, strawberry-kiwi combination, pretty good. Like, if you, listeners, if you were the one that thought of putting kiwi and strawberry together, right into the show, I want to thank you personally. For the great service that you have done me. Another person I'd like to have on the show. <sighs> a young woman I met today on the subway. Well, not met, but we sat next to each other. And this misconnection only grew more and more missed and less and less connected as our ride went on. We were sharing the L train, leaving the 14th Street station. And um, we were in that little section at the end of the train where only two people can sit. And I'm sure she sat next to me. Because it was the only available seat, I smell terrible, but I can't help but believe that the tender hand of fate was intervening that day, and I squandered that precious gift that was offered to me on the silver platter of fate. Young woman sat down next to me, and she was quite pretty, but she had headphones in, and I, I did not want to... It, it would go against all social protocol to attempt to strike up conversation with her. She was putting out every indication that she did not want to speak to me and also that I smelled terrible. She had a wonderful pair of shoes. 
they were multicolored, and I thought that was great. And but what caught my eye <laughs> when she was leaving the train was her handbag that I hadn't seen on her way into the train. And normally the beginnings of these episodes are fraught with bits, but honestly, I can't. This this is not a bit because I could not have come up with it if I tried on the side of her bag. It said, Lars von Trier is my daddy. And I've maybe never regretted not speaking to another human being more than I did in that exact moment. <laughs> because that is that is the number one greatest handbag of all time. If anyone uh, in my listening audience is unfamiliar, Lars von Trier is the director of films like Antichrist and, and Nymphomaniac. Um, and I... And I just really want to talk to the person who not only is uh, really into Lars von Trier, um, but has a handbag with what I have to guess is an inside joke that says Lars von Trier is my daddy. <laughs> like, like, is it? Because I, I, I don't know. It's possible that it's it's her literal father um and and that she was just ad putting that out there to the world um like how we all wear the scars of what our fathers did to us and she decided to openly display it on a handbag instead of wearing her heart on her sleeve uh where most people would put it she put her heart on the side of a handbag and wanted everyone to know that Lars von Trier is her daddy i guess she must have been like a like a big big Lars von Trier fan um, and and didn't know how else to express that to the world to project out openly to everyone. She's wearing those kind of like those overall rompers where like, you know, she's got the suspenders, but the overalls only go down to like your mid thigh. And she had these, again, multicolored shoes and, and a handbag that says Lars von Trier is my daddy. Maybe she got sick of explaining that to people or people being surprised by it. And she's like, everywhere I'm going to go, you're going to know that like Lars von Trier is, I, I, I'm sick of people finding out about it at the last minute and being really freaked out about it. Um, so now I just bring it up on all of my first dates that Lars von Trier is my daddy. And I bet she has been on at least one date with that handbag where a gentleman then tried to explain to her why Lars von Trier is so great. But she's like, yeah, I know he's my daddy like the no one had to explain to jtt why tim the Toolman taylor was so great because that was his daddy i love that i have to imagine on the other side it said like yes i've seen nymphomaniac yes both parts yes the, both directors cuts please please stop asking me and it, yes he's still my daddy what do i think about the whoring bed it continues and then there's a long pause on the side of the canvas bag. And it says, no no further questions, Your Honor. And then there's another, a different, like, flavor of text, like a different font in a different color. It says, like, I'm a judge. She's like, darn right you're a judge judging me for being the spawn of Lars von Trier. Because assumedly I'm the spawn and it's not like a weird sexual thing with Lars von Trier. Like, she's just really into... Lars von Trier. I should have known when she was getting off the subway and her dick exploded. 
and how some people because you you can't carry your dog on the subway without like a proper carrying case or a bag and so some people are taking like huge ikea bags and putting their big dogs in it um and a bunch of shit are like rolling their dogs around in suitcases or big hiker packs and she was carrying around this fox um that just kept talking to me about chaos and then again her dick exploded listeners i'm gonna i feel compelled um, to pull down my my many layers of irony that I traditionally do this podcast with. So hold on just a second. That was me coming out of my cocoon of irony. Um, so by the time that I'm recording this episode of the podcast, um, the first four episodes of Can We Get Emma Stone to Listen to This have been released to the general public for, for good or ill for both the general public and me. They've, they've been released to the people. And I am legitimately so happy at at the response that that I have received from this show. Um, And both, like, the listenership, which is pretty big ellipses for a Kevin Lanigan project. Like, I'm still doing Kevin Lanigan numbers, but they're big for Kevin Lanigan numbers. Um, And, like, it in a week, it, like, outpaced... Um, like last month's episode of Puffin, and normally I can count on Puffin to do pretty good on a month-to-month basis, and like our most recent episode of Puffin also opened really big. Um, most recent Stone Zone didn't do so hot, but I think that me breaking down the movie super bad minute by minute was appealing maybe only to me, but just thank you for for your outpouring of support, um, the kind words that you've said to me on social media, um, messages that I've been sent about this dumb show and people taking pictures of themselves listening to the show. Because when you're creating a thing, most of the time it just feels like you exist in this weird void um, and that maybe nobody's listening and nobody's responding to what you do. Um, and when you embark on like your first solo record, as it were, with what I'm doing right now, um, it can be really nerve-wracking coming off of like a big, group collaborative project and then striking out on your own while also still doing the group collaborative project but like trying to do your own thing amidst all of that and thank you for for the outpouring of support that i've seen so far thank you for your reviews um on itunes if i can ask just a couple things of you uh right at the top i know i have i've no reason to do that but you're getting a lot of free entertainment here um if this is entertaining to you at all if I can ask a couple of favors of you, if you're someone that listens on iTunes or even has an iTunes account, even if you don't listen to the show on there, could you go over there right now, pause the show or no, and just leave us a review? It'll take it'll take 12 seconds for you to look up the show on iTunes and just write a review. It doesn't have to be big or bombastic. You can just say, like, I'm Emma Stone throw up the the five stars, the four stars, whatever you think I've earned. That's how people find the show. That's how the show could grow, even beyond just, like, the the small pool of people that I'm already pulling from. That would really, really mean the world to me. And if and if you can't do that, or even if you did that, um, I ask you, if you're listening to this right now, please just tell this week, between you hearing this and the next episode coming out, tell one person that you think would like this show about the show. Send them, send them a text with the link to the show. Let them know that it's weird. If this seems like somebody's sense of humor, and I don't know whose sense of humor it is but my own, but if you could do that, you would be doing me more good than you know. Truly. And, and the best 
form of advertising is word of mouth, and you're the mouths. And I would I would truly appreciate it if you sent it to just one person who might not already know about the show, um, or maybe knows about it but hasn't listened to it yet. That would that would let them know your favorite episode so far and send it their way. Let's head on over to Letter. Hold on, let me let me put on my 19 layers of irony real fast. There we go. Uh, this letter comes to us from information. Um, it says, I like tell thank you for listening me in SoundCloud. I didn't understand which kind of your show is your show. I live in Belarusia, and we don't see USA show. But if possible, help me for show my music. Or have some collaborations for me can to be great. I can compose for you if you like. I wait answer. Thank you. You know, I I always really appreciate it when people reach out to me from SoundCloud. Talk to me about four collaborations. Yes, you show. Talk to me about, you know, I have fans all over USA, all over Belarusia. And it, it never doesn't not, not warm my heart. To get these letters from fans just like you. Information from SoundCloud. And just, you know, this... Normally I like these letters to be uh, an idea to get Emma Stone to listen to this. A proposal, a suggestion. And this time, it was just a nice, warm letter from information on SoundCloud. To collaborate. Or for yes, share my musics. And I like that. Irony achieved. Listeners, I'm I'm presenting for you a very special stone zone, and I'm getting very, very close to the mic to sort of impress on you how dangerous the situation is that I have just walked in upon. If you listened to a previous episode of the Stone Zone, let's say mm, episode nine, you you heard my conversation with Mr. Movies where he and I indeed took over a, a cinematic multiverse uh, folding in upon itself involving every movie and TV show that truly, truly has ever existed and forming them into one sort of interconnected universe, um, the specifics of which on like the multiple occasions where like the world blows up in different universes, we'll sort it out later, but... You, if you heard that conversation, then you are familiar with the man that I have ventured out into the jungle to find, um, the Mr. Movie Genius himself. He has finally succumbed to his own egomania, believing no director worthy of taking on any feature film that was under his guise. He has chosen to direct every movie that will ever come out until such time as he dies, though he no longer believes himself mortal. And on this particular production of Trolls 5, when they finally go live action, Mr. Movies, I fear, may have finally lost what's left of his mind. Production of Trolls 5 has been going on for three years at this point. It was supposed to be a simple three-month shoot, but after just a week, they were a million dollars over budget. Filming 
deep in the heart of war-torn Cambodia, a war that Mr. Movies started. The cast and crew of Trolls 5 have been out here deep in the jungle with no hope of escape under the thumb of a tyrannical studio executive and an egomaniacal director who have turned out to be the same person. I am here to try and free these people from their captor, for no cinematic tennis multiverse is worth what these people have gone through. I have made my way through the camp, the film set as they still call it, but no cameras are rolling, no crafty has been provided, no lights have been struck. I've made my way to the den of Mr. Movies. Mr. Movies, are you here? Of course I'm here. I'm number one on the call sheet. And I'm the last on the call sheet. I'm at the beginning and at the end of the call sheet. Sir, it's it's me, TV's Kevin Lanigan, the co-shepherd of the tennis multiverse. I remember you. You were the co-executive producer on Rio. Yes, the Bird musical. It was a reboot of that movie. A live-action reboot starring Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong. That's right. You and I worked as co-directors side-by-side on Surf's Up 4, the the Surf's Up vehicle that finally focused on John Heater's stoner tropical penguin character. We made that film together with real penguins. None of that happy feet shit. You and I, the real, the true blue, old-fashioned Nanook of the North filmmaking that you and I both love so much. And John Heater was there, and we were in the ice, so of course... All the Blades of Glory was there. Will Ferrell, Will Arnett, all the Wills. That's why we had Will Wheaton there, and that's why it was also a Star Trek movie. And Will Sasso was there, and it was a Mad TV spin-off movie. Mad TV the movie. TV. Colon. Surf's up for. A New Hope. The Next Generation. And that was the last time you let me on one of our sets. Because you never left a set. It's all a set, Kevin. The cameras are always rolling. The audio always has speeds. Life is cinema, and cinema is life. We all ask God to take a lunch, but there is no lunch from life. There is no such thing as a free lunch. We are captors of lunch, just as you have kept the brave casting crew of Trolls 5 captive all these years. They can take a 10-1. They can take a 10-2. All I ask is that they let me film it. All I ask is that we get good, clean audio. Of them taking peas and poos? That's all I ask. Of these brave men and women with families taking peas and poos? The audience is their family, Kevin. The critics are their drunk uncles. The ticket taker is their cousins. The person who makes them popcorn, that's their mother now. There are no audiences left, sir. You've put them all in films. There are no critics left, sir. You are filming these critics day and night in case you need to make a life itself, the Roger Ebert documentary about each and every one of them. I get calls every day from Lindsay Ellis, from Leonard Maltin, from Matt Singer. They want to be free, sir. Nathan Rabin calls to be free. They can be free. I will allow them freedom. All they gotta do is make a good fucking movie. Matt Solarzeitz couldn't, and that's why he's no longer with us. Alan Sepinwall demanded a martini shot, and so you gave him a martini and then shot him. And there were no police or lawyers to prosecute him. 
for you had them all starring in cop dramas and lawyer dramas, respectively. Chips 3 was a good idea. Yeah, I hadn't gotten my gay panic fill from Chips 1 or Chips 2. That was the one that had the police academy. That was the one that had the naked gun. That was the one that had cop rock. It had all the cops. And that was the one that tied in with Keanu. Not the man, but the film. And also the man. He played John Wick in that movie. Chips 3, colon, John Wick 4, colon, Police Academy 9, colon, Police Academy 1. It was both in the original Police Academy-verse and in the reboot-verse. It was my magnum opus. It was my masterpiece. Until we finished shooting Trolls 5. You have seven literal tons of 70-millimeter footage of Trolls 5. Certainly... Our great editor, Thelma Schoenmacher, who you've brought back to life, can piece this together into your masterpiece. Please just let her work. She's been waiting, the editing machine, waiting for her turn. Pro Tools is open, sir. She can edit the movie. As soon as we finish filming the Battle of Grinchland. Not Whoville, Grinchland. Because in this How the Grinch Stole Christmas Again, the Grinch... Regretting his decision to work with the Who's, then took over Whoville. We've all seen it, sir, and Ron Howard did a fine job. He did better than Phil Miller and Chris Lord. By the way, would you like some craft services? I think they'll put a jump into your street. <laughs> No, I got it. You, you you turned them into food. Yeah, I killed them. Yeah, they're dead, and if you want to eat them, you can. They're pretty tasty. We don't do three-camera setups, and Phil Miller and Chris Lord weren't cut out for that. At minimum, each take is a 72-camera setup. We have four boom poles. We got 96 interview kits. We have 15 apple boxes. That's actually a disproportionately small amount of apple boxes. I ate the other like apple the boxes. Others. I got confused. It was my first day actually on a set, and someone said to bring them half an apple, and I brought them half of the fruit. They made fun of me. I ate that apple, then I ate them, and then I yeah. ate the other apple boxes. Right, that's how I thought yeah. That's how I thought that was yeah. going to go. Yeah. I have another script for you, sir. One that only you are cut out for. Go on. It's a sequel. And I know what, what all we do is sequels anymore, but hear me out here. It's... A sequel to two of our biggest franchises. A, a meeting of the minds. The one combination of elements that we have not tried yet is contained within these 250 pages of masterwork that I have created for you. That only your directorial eye is suited for. I'm intrigued. At first you had my attention, but now you have my curiosity. However the quote goes from that movie. The opposite of that, sir. I know. I know everything. I work in movies. Might I tell you the title of this film, sir? Please. I'm waiting in anticip... Patient. The film is called... Die Hard 6, Sister Act 3, Old Habits Die Hard. That's it. That's the one. That's the one that ties all this together. Finally, for the first time on screen, Bruce Willis, Whoopi Goldberg, Machine Guns and Glass, and Singing Nuns. 
Terrorists take over the Catholic school, sir, and there is only one New York cop that can stop them. But with the assistance of a nun. Oh, I'm posing as a nun. She is the Al Powell of this film. It won't be like the first time she teamed up with a cop in Rex. Theodore Rex. Theodore Rex. It won't be like that. No, this time she's with John McClane. Her partner won't be a dinosaur. It will be cop John McClane. Go, sir. Go to your people and say the words they've been wanting to hear for three years. Which in our movie schedule time is 15 years. Go to them and say those three magic words. That's a wrap. Let me pick up the megaphone. All right, everybody. Uh, I think uh, we got some uh, good stuff today. Uh, I think uh, that if we're all good, as good for audio. Yeah, okay. So uh, I think that's a wrap. And also, it's a cut. And this is a cut. It's all been for the movies. The movies. The movies. That's a cut on the guy who works in movies. This is the end. My And cut. Wasn't that so fun? Oh, I love it. I am an Italian man. The last group of people is okay to be racist about. Eh, won't somebody think of the white man and his cheap excuses for humor? Hey, get out of here, Italian! Get out of here! Get out of here! Ay, 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 mamma mia! Sorry about that, everyone. This has been the Stone Zone for this week. My guest this week was secretly Vern Tooley. You can find him on Twitter at... Vanyo, And you can check out our mutual web series, Doomed to You, on YouTube. And you can check out our mutual podcast, The Puffin Publishing Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and everywhere. The podcasts are sold for free. You can't see it, but I'm gesturing every time I mention some. I have been your host, TV's Gavin Lanigan. You can find me on Twitter. Almost dropped my accent. You can find me on Twitter at... TV's Kevin Lanigan, and on Instagram in the same way, and you can donate to my Patreon, which is how we Brits say Patreon, at patreon.com slash TV's Kevin Lanigan. And you can check, fuck that, you can check out a live stream of me every single Wednesday night on the Kelly Herald YouTube channel, spelled with a bunch of E's. Uh, where I do a D&D live stream called Total Party Chaos. And it is chaos. So you can check that out. If you want to tweet at the show, it's at Can We Get This Pod. And if you want to have your real life letter, like you heard earlier in the show, your real life letter, read live on the show, you can write into Can We Get This Pod at Gmail. Dot com. Dig it. And so, our show ends for another week. But until next time, we shall end this episode as we end every episode. Hey, Emma, why don't you 
but bugger on to this podcast. There, I did it. Fuck me. This has been a Talk Back Podcast. Well, hello there, Mr. Big Time Movie Man. Oh, that's me, Big Time Movie Man. May I help you? I'm here to pitch some motion pictures. Well, that's great, because that's what I'm in the business of. Good. Um, may I ask your name? Well, I'm Jane Austen, author of many books that have been adapted into film. There's been Pride and Prejudice, there's been Saints and Saints of Bielefia, Love and Friendship, mm-hmm. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and now I'm here to pitch my own works. Very exciting. All right, let's, let's hear what you got, Jane. All right, so here's my first one. Open on a stepfather who's not doing a particularly good job of bonding with his kids, right? Mm, okay, and in college, he was this big lady-slaying madman. Oh, uh, not okay. the stabby kind, the penis kind. And, um... Not, not and the movie The Stepfather. No, no, no. Like the movie The Animal House. Okay, gotcha. So, speaking of animals, okay. in order to teach this man a lesson about being a good father, uh-huh. a witch puts him in the body of an ape. And this movie shall be called Poon Rang Tang. It's kind of like that old show 101 Good Deeds for Eddie McDowd, but with a monkey. Precisely. I like it. All right. Okay. So he's big and orange. He loves the pussy, but he can't have it anymore because he's a father. I bet that's going to be smashing. Speaking of smashing. Yes, smashing. Have they ever tried to make one of those Incredible Hulk films? A couple times. Well, we're just going to ignore those and make our own. Marvel's done that too. So it's about this man, a real shrimpy fella, and in college he was slaying Punta left and right, right? And Uh uh, But he grows up to be a nuclear scientist. He's working with gamma radiation. The big bomb goes on. Off, and then his big bomb goes off and he grows a giant big penis every time he's mad. Every time he's mad he grows a giant big penis. Yes. When he's not mad, is he just like a Ken doll down there? Just completely... Just... He has a regular man penis yeah. and every time he sees something that angers him like a football score or almost everything about the world today, he bursts out of his purple pants and then in a fight with the Avengers or something. I don't know. We'll call it Thor Ragnarok. That's a bloody genius idea. I work in movies. Oh right, I forgot that every decision revolving around movies is fucking great. Yeah, I work in movies. I have a high opinion of myself. I'm a better than a doctor. I work in movies. Speaking of movies, mm-hmm. I've heard of some of this, and uh-huh. one of my favorites was always Troy, the movie about Troy, starring all those men, and I think one of them was named Paris, even though the movie was called Troy, and a lot of them died by the end of this motion picture. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. order to continue to capitalize on how popular this movie was, mm-hmm. we need to take it back. We need to rewind it. Oh. We need to make a prequel. Troy Boys. They're walking along, like the railroad tracks, or like oh. some equivalent, and they find a dead Greek. Is that who they fought? 
This is great. We can open up a whole franchise. We've already got the middle movie, but we can come out with the prequel, Troy Boys. Troy Boys. And then we can come out with the third in the uh, the series, Troyhood. And it can follow 12 years of a soldier of Troy. Troyhood. It took 12 centuries to make. <laughs> I work in movies. I'm brilliant. <laughs> I don't see a single flaw with this Troy Boys franchise. When you take a long time to make something, it's good. Automatically. Especially when you pick the most boring white child in all the world. Exactly. Who just takes pictures of shit. I wonder if Richard Linklater eats too much cheese because it took him 12 years to make a pile of shit. <laughs> that guy needs to drink some Metamucil, darling. The thing he loves about making films, his audience gets older, but he keeps making the same film. All right, all right all you know right, what? I right. think Boyhood is a really good base. So right here, for the last part of our meeting, huh. we're just going to throw off plays on Boyhood. Sounds great. I work in movies. This is brilliant. All right, good. The story of a little tree going into a big tree, we call it Boywood. Jennifer Lawrence uh, takes 12 years to make a new mop. Joyhood. A young boy achieving his first direction, Boywood. Andy takes 12 years to give up his toys. Boy Woody. A ghetto populated entirely by African-American males called Boyhood. <laughs> a boy makes a mistake against a witch, turns into a fish, Coyhood. A man inherits a 12-year supply of soy sauce. We can call it Soyhood or Lechoyhood. A young man learns what it means to be Jewish, Oyhood. A bad Homer Simpson impersonator spends 12 years perfecting this craft, Doyhood. A British urchin really grows attached to his neighborhood. Moyhood, a movie about the quality songwriting of Mr. Roy Robinson. Roy's good. I forgot there's a second syllable in boyhood. This is so exciting. <laughs> there's another 50% to play over. A movie about Irma Rombauer, the author of The Joy of Cooking, where she starts making kosher food. Koi food. A movie where a young man decides whether or not to go to college. Boy should. A precocious scamp moves in next door to real life actor Woody Harrelson. And he becomes a menace in Woody's life. Annoy Wood! Nintendo spends 12 years trying to come up with the next character in their Fire Emblem franchise, Royhood. A sailor answers two questions asked to him back to back. The first is, is that land over there? Then the cook comes up and asks, was the dinner to your satisfaction? And he answers them in order. Ahoy! Good! Hello, I'm John Oliver. You can now support this show on Patreon.com. Head on over to Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin and for as little as $1 a month, you can set up a monthly donation that will support this show in ways you can't even understand. No, Trevor, don't buy those donuts. That money is for TV's Kevin Lanigan. That's Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. I'll see you there.